0: Us versus Them. (laughs) My childhood was not an anxious place, though I lay in my bed awake, thumbing my sheets like beads, wondering when the sun imploded. Would Russian astronauts be okay? They and their Sputniks with their space dogs, they that chased their own tail around this water bowl we call Earth. When I was a child, In elementary school, we practiced a type of protection called duck and cover, where we huddled under desks in case of a nuclear attack by the Russians. They were communists, had the bomb, and were evil, Reagan told us, from the small grave of a TV screen. In the 60s, Nixon said the same thing, and the Panthers countered with their picks like unclenched fists, with their afros like the plume of an atom bomb, They scared white and black folks alike. It's 2014, and America is still scared of the Russians and black people. Now the American dream is to be debt-free, which I am not, nor may ever be. But at least I'm no longer afraid of the Russians.
1: Our second reading... Today is a reimagining of the Beatitudes preached by Jesus of Nazareth. And the reimagining is by Nadia Bowles-Weber, who pastors a church in Denver called House for All Sinners and Saints, which I think is the Lutheran way of saying people's church. And Beth and I are going to take turns reading this. Blessed are the agnostics. Blessed are they who doubt, those who aren't sure, who can still be surprised.
0: Blessed are they who are spiritually impoverished and therefore not so certain about everything that they no longer take in new information.
1: Blessed are those who have nothing to offer. Blessed
0: are the poor in spirit. You are of heaven. Blessed are they for whom death is not an abstraction. Blessed are they who have
1: buried their loved ones whose tears could fill an ocean.
0: Blessed are they who have loved enough to know what loss feels like.
1: Blessed are the mothers of the miscarried. Blessed are they
0: who don't have the luxury of taking things for granted anymore. Blessed are they
1: who can't fall apart because they have to keep it together for everyone else. Blessed are the motherless,
0: the alone, The ones from whom so much has been taken.
1: Blessed are they who still aren't over it yet. Blessed are those who mourn. You are of heaven.
0: Blessed are those who no one else notices. The kids who sit alone at the middle school lunch tables. The laundry guys at the hospital. The sex workers and the night shift
1: street sweepers. Blessed are the losers and the babies and the parts of ourselves that are so small. The parts of ourselves that don't want to make eye contact with a world that loves only the winners. Blessed are the forgotten. Blessed are the closeted. Blessed are the unemployed, the
0: unimpressive, the underrepresented. Blessed are the teens who have to figure
1: out ways to hide the new cuts on their arms. Blessed are the meek. You are of heaven.
0: Blessed are the wrongly accused, the ones who never catch a break, the ones for whom life is hard. Blessed are those without documentation. Blessed are the ones without lobbyists.
1: Blessed are the foster kids and the trophy kids and special ed kids and every other kid who just wants to feel safe and loved.
0: Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness.
1: Blessed are they who know there has to be more than this because they are right. Blessed are those who make terrible business decisions for the sake of people. Blessed are the burnt-out social workers and the overworked teachers and the pro bono case takers. Blessed are the
0: kind-hearted NFL players and the fundraising trophy wives.
1: Blessed are the kids who step between the bullies and the weak. Blessed who hear that they are forgiven. Blessed is everyone who has ever forgiven us when we didn't deserve it. Blessed are the merciful, for they
0: totally get it.
1: All are blessed the meek, the merciful, the the forgiving, the forgiven. All are worthy of love. we as a unitarian universalist church affirm and promote the inherent worth and dignity of every person no matter what no exceptions we have inherited and adapted this belief from our universalist ancestors who proclaimed god loves everyone no matter what no exceptions all are destined for heaven they would tell us This is a beautiful idea, and it is so hard to live consistently, day by day. In this world, we are constantly divided by politics, race, religion, sports fandoms, and an infinite number of other things. This principle is hard to live. It's easy to affirm the worth of the respectful people, the lovable people, the people we know well and can see are really trying. But what about everyone else? The disrespectful people, the downright rage-inducing people. I admit that sometimes I long for there to be an asterisk on, the prin- on that principle, that there's some sort of escape clause that would allow me to write off the people whose dignity is just so hard for me to see and recognize. But you can see on our banner on the wall right there, there is no asterisk. There are no exceptions. We are called to live our lives recognizing the inherent worth and dignity of all people. And this doesn't mean that we accept all behaviors, but we recognize that even the people acting in ways that we find odious still possess that inherent worth and dignity that we are called to respect. We can oppose their views, but we remember that they as people are worthy, that they have this original blessing that none of us can lose. What does this look like in practice? I have two stories for you. The first is about failing to see the dignity. Some of you know that I lived in Serbia in Eastern Europe for a few years. I was a volunteer with the Brethren Volunteer Service, which is a program run by the Church of the Brethren and open to all who share their commitment to peace and justice. I spent two years working with Women in Black, a feminist anti-war organization made up of some of the bravest people I have ever met, people who stood on street corners with big signs opposing the nationalist wars in that part of the world, People who are openly queer at the risk of great physical harm. (coughs) And during my time there, we were invited to participate in a protest march. Some neo-Nazi organizations had been given a permit to hold a gathering in a public park to celebrate the birthday of Heinrich Himmler, a leader of Nazi Germany and one of the people most responsible for the Holocaust. That permit was later revoked because of local laws around um, inciting religious and ethnic hatred but the local peace and justice groups wanted to hold a rally to say not in our city Nazi values are not our values so we marched with full riot gear accompanying us and we passed the park where the Himmler birthday party was supposed to be and it was full of Nazis yelling and doing Hitler salutes and they started throwing rocks at us and some of the people in the march started throwing rocks back at them. And I got hit with a rock on the shoulder. It, was, it wasn't big, it was the size of a golf ball. And I didn't even get a bruise from it. But it was painful, in soul painful ways. And I was rattled and I was angry. And in that pain and surprise, I turned to anger and hatred. Can you believe what those Nazis did to me? <laughs> I definitely got some credibility from the people I knew back home who were activists. And my anger felt justified. And it probably was to some extent, but I also forgot our first principle. I hated those people who threw a stone at me, who wanted to celebrate Himmler's birthday. And in my hatred, I couldn't see those who were gathered at that park as human, possessors of any sort of inherent worth and dignity. They were Nazi monsters, worthy targets of all the hate I could feel and all the hate I could drum up for other people to direct at them, too. The the Christian writer, Anne Lamont, says that the surest sign that you've created God in your image is that he hates all the same people that you do. (laughs) And that was the cosmology I was living then a world where I was pure and good and righteous, and those stone throwing monsters were evil and less than human. There was no common humanity between us. And just recently, I learned another story. A story that helped me imagine what a different, more faithful response to to the stone throwing could have been. This story is an example of what it means to live by our first principle, even and probably especially when it's not easy. 40 years ago, the Reverend Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. went to Chicago. He joined with a local group of organizers called the Chicago Freedom Movement to end the racial segregation and poor living conditions for African Americans in that city. And King knew that his presence would bring national attention and would show the country that segregation was not just a Southern thing, it happened in the North too. So he joined the Chicago Freedom Movement for a march and 700 people marched to demand non-discrimination and housing laws and an end to slums. And 5,000 people came to yell and spit and throw bricks at them. So Martin Luther King was hit in the head with a brick, started bleeding, and went down on one knee. And after a few minutes, he got up and, and continued to march. And a few days later, the Chicago Freedom Movement marched again, this time with more security. And at one point in the march, Martin Luther King slipped free of those who were trying to protect him from violence and approached a young white man in the crowd who had been throwing bottles and spitting he looked at him in the eye and said you are too smart and too good-looking to be so full of hate so even at the risk of great physical harm this modern prophet approached an angry young man to call him toward another way of being king could see through the anger and violence to that young man's inherent worth and dignity He could see that he was blessed for who he was. He could see that he was smart and good-looking. And when I heard this story, the story of Martin Luther King, recognizing that full, worthy humanity of someone who surely didn't recognize King's humanity, I realized I had never considered that person who threw a rock at me. To me, that rock thrower was part of this undifferentiated Nazi group, a group of monsters or some other subhuman category. And that's not how our values call us to see other people. I'm not sure if even nine years later I'm willing to tell that rock thrower that they're too smart and too good looking to be so full of hate. But that is what our faith is challenging me to do and challenges us to do. Martin Luther King wouldn't use the words inherent worth and dignity. He was deeply rooted in his Christian context, but he embodied it in his his practice in a way that shows us what might be possible. I said earlier that we come to our first principle from our universalist heritage. Universalists believe in universal salvation, the idea that everyone goes to heaven an all-loving, all-forgiving God, was a radical idea in Christianity when the Universalists, who were firmly part of the Christian tradition then, organized themselves in the 18th century. In In some circles, universal salvation is still a radical idea. And in the nearly 300 years since the Universalists became an organized denomination, a lot has changed. For our church now, heaven and who goes there isn't an ultimate concern. Our views of salvation aren't our one defining characteristic that sets us apart. And many of us don't believe in a traditional idea of heaven. We echo one of our Unitarian ancestors, Henry David Thoreau, who when asked about the afterlife said, One world at a time. (laughs) We are a community of diverse believers and arguments about who gets to go to heaven aren't what's most important to us right now. And there is some irony that we as Unitarian Universalists are named for two words that come from old theological fights that we're not having anymore in our congregations. The fights that aren't really core parts of our theology. The Unitarian label was applied to us when our religious ancestors questioned the doctrine of the Trinity, that God is three in one, and the Universalists come from universal salvation. And when the Unitarians and Universalists merged in the 1960s, they joined those two cumbersome, kind of archaic (laughs) words together and gave us Unitarian Universalists. And this is one of the reasons I really like that our church is named People's Church. Because when you serve a church where it has Unitarian Universalist in the name, you have to sort of do this dance of, oh, that's what it meant, but it's not the most important thing to us anymore, and it's awkward. So I'm glad we don't have to explain ourselves by talking about fights about the nature of God, a God that many of us gathered here do not believe in. But when we took this Universalist Christian ideal and reworded it for our spiritually diverse community when God loves all of his children became, we affirm and promote the inherent worth and dignity of every person, we made it a lot more challenging for us. Uh, Maybe you've seen the bumper stickers that say, Jesus loves you, but everyone else thinks you're a jerk. (laughs) Uh, They always make me laugh. And the people with those bumper stickers have outsourced that loving to the divine it's not their job to love and respect everyone because Jesus has it covered (laughs) and we don't have that option to outsource our principle even those of us who are theists know that it is all of our task to respect everyone and note it and know and live by and see everyone's worth and dignity and that's really hard Sometimes people talk about how Unitarian Universalist is an easy religion. And we don't have one set of beliefs or one set of practices that everyone must follow. So there's real freedom there. But if we really live by our principles, by those beautiful words up on the wall, it's not easy at all. It, this faith pushes us beyond what is comfortable. And in a world where we are encouraged to write people off and divide people into groups of us and them, our faith proclaims that all of those divisions are false, and we are one human family. And it demands that our actions and our words reflect that truth. And perhaps you all have more generosity of spirit than I do and can do this, but I find it so challenging to live this day in and day out. That person who is in front of you, when you're driving in front of you, when you're running late and is going 15 miles below the speed limit, they still have inherent worth and dignity. That neighbor with the yard sign for the political candidate that makes your blood boil, they still have inherent worth and dignity. And that person in our lives who spouts racism or sexism or some other form of hateful ideology, still has inherent worth and dignity. All of them, every person. None of this makes the actions or the words or the opinions valid, but the people who hold them and who do them are still fully human and possessors of inherent worth. And we are called to rise above the arguments that say that someone who doesn't agree with me is less than I am, and recognize that we are still fully human. We cannot dismiss anyone as monsters, as less worthy of respect or care. And that is hard. But it is also so good because it applies to us too. So when we mess up, when we're the person who didn't see the street sign and so are going way slower than we probably could and someone behind us is getting angry, we haven't lost any of our original blessing. Our actions can be wrong sometimes. And... I'm sure we will be judged in 200 years as not not being as progressive or as loving or as all-encompassing as we could be, but that doesn't make us any less worthy as humans. Our original blessing cannot be forfeited. And so this week, with the election on Tuesday, will be a time brimming with chances to divide us into us and them, to dismiss those who disagree with us politically, as less worthy of respect, to return vitriol with even more vitriol. There will be so many chances to forget that we are all human, all all blessed, all possessors of inherent (coughs) worth and dignity. And so I urge you to remember. Remember our principles and act on them. Remember that each of us here and every person everywhere is worthy of respect and care. Being Unitarian Universalist is not easy. But when we engage in the struggle to truly and fully live our principles, we transform ourselves and we transform the world. So may it be so. May we make it so. And amen.